My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. My sermon title this morning is Salvation and Service, and we'll focus primarily on the gospel reading we heard from Mark chapter 1. People often say when asked, like, where, where do I start in the New Testament, right? or which gospel should I read first? Sometimes people say, you should read John first, and I think that's good advice, but me, for me, I, I generally like to tell people, read the gospel of Mark first. It's the most readable. It, it's very fast pace, right? This is word that keeps showing up immediately, immediately, immediately. It keeps the narrative sharp. Jesus is always on the move. He's always on mission. He's always going from one place to another, to another, to another, to another. It's almost, in a sense, sort of the most, I don't know, cinematic in, in a way of, of the Gospels. And what we see here in the reading this morning is following on from we, what we heard last week when he was teaching in the synagogue. And they say, what authority does this man have? What, what teaching does this man have? He teaches like those who are not, he teaches completely different than the Pharisees. And there's power that accompanies his proclamation. And here in verse 29, it says something interesting here where it says, immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So Jesus, throughout his ministry, he will continue to go to the synagogue to teach, but he does not limit himself just to those locations. That's because his mission is not restricted to the Pharisees. His mission is not restricted to those, the religious, the religious leaders and their followers. His mission is to the entirety of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. To Jesus, all of Israel is lost sheep. So he goes everywhere, and his mission takes him everywhere. Because we have to remember, he said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give himself as a ransom for many. And so he goes to Simon and Andrew's house, and he's immediately confronted, the text tells us, with Simon and Andrew's mother, or sorry, Simon's mother-in-law. She is sick with the fever. She is sick with fever. And what we see here is something very interesting. We see a movement from sickness to wholeness, from illness to wholeness, from sickness to servanthood. Not servanthood in the sense of the use of force to compel, but servanthood in the sense of offering it up to God in gratitude. And so when Jesus is confronted with this fever that's that's strong enough to lay somebody out. Those kinds of fevers that we know are very, that can be very dangerous, right? They say if your fever gets up, what, 106? Go to, go to the ER, right? I don't know, I'm not a doctor. I think it's 104, I don't know. You can correct me after the service. But what does Jesus do in the face of this? It says he takes her by the hand, and then it says he lifts her up. He takes her by the hand, and he lifts her up. That's some powerful imagery here, I think, in this story. Right, when we heard the Elijah story read just a few moments ago, he has to lay down on the body of the, of the deceased teenager, right? Hands on his hands. 
Jesus doesn't even need to do that. He lifts her up without even a word. It doesn't even say anything, you know, daughter, rise up, be made well. It just says, he takes her by the hand and lifts her up. He takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. Jesus' miracles are unlike anything that's come before. And after she's healed, what does she do? What does she do? Well, it says, and immediately she what? It says, she began to serve them. She began to serve them. After this life-saving encounter with Jesus, who healed her from her fever, she begins to selflessly give to him in return. Not as payment, as I said earlier, or something that's compelled, but serving out of gratitude, out of an act of love and devotion and thankfulness. And this should make us think of the reading that we heard from St. Paul just a few moments ago, where he's talking about how this attitude of service, how he takes it on himself because of what Christ has done for him, and how that affects his relationship with other people, and his approach to different groups of people. He says, to those who do not have the law, I go to them as one who do not have the law. But those who do have the law, I go to them as one who has the law, even though I'm not under the law, the Torah, I'm under the law of Christ. That doesn't mean changing up your witness, right? That doesn't mean doing everything you can just to reach somebody, but that means assessing where these people are that you're trying to reach with the gospel and ministering to them accordingly. And this, and this is his service to God because it is the mission that God has given him. This is a beautiful picture of salvation, what Jesus does here for Simon Peter's mother-in-law. It's a beautiful picture of salvation. We like to think of salvation primarily as forgiveness of sin, right? That's, that's kind of where like a laser-like focus is on, on what is salvation when we talk about that. And that's true, but it, I think that's a little bit of a limited point of view because what it does is it takes salvation as a whole and it sort of... Sort of peels away layers, right, to try to get to like a bare essential, right, in order to help better communicate it, right? Receive the gospel, believe in Jesus, so when you die, you will go to heaven and be with God forever, right? That's not wrong, but it's an incredibly limited view of what salvation is and what God offers us in Christ. And then when we think about Jesus' miracles, Jesus doesn't just do miracles because, you know, he wants to be like a wandering miracle worker, right? It's not like Jesus is the ancient world's David Blaine and he's like on the street, watch me freak out all these people by raising this widow's son from the dead, right? It's not like that. Jesus actually works miracles, right? He's not an illusionist. He's not trying to, to build up an entertainment company or something around himself. His miracles are pictures of what the end of our salvation is. Or maybe I should say not what the end is, but what the totality of our salvation entails, what it brings with it. Right? When we see Jesus perform a miracle, like when we see him heal this woman who is sick with fever, when we see him raise Lazarus from the dead, when we see him make a crooked hand straight, when we see him cast out demons and evil spirits, what we're doing is we're fast-forwarding to the end of time. We're getting a glimpse at what awaits us. We're, getting, we're, we're seeing something of what we're journeying towards as Christians. 
the new heaven and the new earth, the resurrection of the dead, and life in the age to come. Salvation, then, brothers and sisters, is the complete healing of the human person in the image of Jesus Christ. What salvation does is it cuts away the power of death and the power of sin over us. This does not mean we're free from materiality, right? Because we're not Gnostics, right? Christianity has affirmed and always does affirm that the body is good. Our bodies are good. The material world is good. And there is a strain of thought that has entered Christian thought that our bodies are bad. Or even worse, our bodies are just suits, right? Like we're an astronaut on the moon. They're just earth suits or something like that. And what the goal of the Christian faith is, that what's really real is our spirit on the inside. And the goal of the Christian life is for our spirit to transcend our body. That's not Christianity, right? That's, that's a non-Christian view of the goodness of the body, right? Our bodies, our material bodies, our material creation, God created everything good. Now, yes, it has been marred. It has been fractured and broken by sin and by death. But that doesn't mean that there still isn't goodness in our bodies. And our faith has always affirmed the goodness of our bodies. Salvation is not freedom from materiality. I can't wait to leave this body and go somewhere else. Salvation is, maybe instead we can call it as freedom from unrenewed materiality. Right? It's our freedom from the way things are right now, maybe, is a better, better thing. The older we get, the more our bodies break down a little bit. You may be noticing that I'm not wearing my glasses right now. You may notice more gray hair on the side of my head. Right? I'm not wearing glasses because I don't really need them to read. But I'm at the point now where my eyes are starting to get bad where I might need reading glasses. Well, I do. I just got to go now to the optometrist. Our bodies will break down. But what we see with life in the age to come, right, this renewed materiality is us being in bodies, right, energized and enlivened by the Spirit of God, free from all of that, free from how sin and death slowly over time erode us. Why? Why is salvation offered to us like this? So we can serve so we can serve Christ. While prepping this sermon and, and reading about servanthood, I couldn't help but think of my father. He preached a lot about, and he wrote a lot about service. And he wrote a book, which was a compilation of another older couple of books, called uh, Saved to Serve. And in many ways, this idea of service was his, his legacy, right? His focus was specifically when he would preach about servanthood or save to serve or service, his focus was on how that works in the local church, right? In other words, is there something is needed? Is there something that's needed? Okay, then step up and do it. Even if it's not going to garner you attention from anyone else. Are you walking outside and you see a piece of garbage on the ground right next to the front door? Well, pick it up and throw it away. And he would, he would you know, he's working in a little bit of a different context, but translated for our purposes, he, it would say, be something along the lines of, you want to be on elder or consistory? 
That's great. Do you see something dirty in the church? Clean it up. You can't move on to areas of more responsibility until you've shown you're responsible and helpful in other things. And that's true. If something needs to be done, do it. Even if it doesn't garner you any attention. Because for him, and he's right on this, this is why I'm sharing it with you, is service is the marker, right, of who you belong to and who saved you. And so what we do is offering it to God for his kingdom and for his purposes. But service is also expressed through the offering of our worship to the Lord. This is another way that service is offered. And we offer that through our worship here at the church. And we also offer that in worship through our homes. Right here at church, we hear the word of God preached. We sing hymns. We receive the holy sacraments. But at home, we continue in our prayers and in our devotions. Because this is working towards transforming our whole lives to serve Jesus. Service or serving is also loving and serving our neighbor in real and practical ways. Jesus didn't heal, didn't just heal uh, Peter's mother-in-law. In verse 32, it says, That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. He didn't limit his serving just to this one household, this one place. Word begins to spread about what he did at the synagogue and what he likely did for Andrew and Peter's mother-in-law. And when they get there, does he tell them all to go away? Oh, I'm so tired, you guys. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pray for I'll, I'll heal you tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. No. He welcomes them. He begins to heal those who are brought to him. Right? We get this beautiful picture of people hearing about the healing power of Jesus and then searching for him to find it, looking for him so they can experience that for themselves. And like I said, healing from sickness is a picture of what awaits us in the age to come. Serving is loving and serving our neighbor. Before I want to get with the last uh, part of one of the last parts here of my sermon this morning. I can't help but think of living and serving our neighbor in real ways. I got a, a, an email every once in a while from Bright Hope, right? Which uh, emergency pregnancy services that we, that we support. One of the things that they do is they have a mobile unit that'll do ultrasounds and, and help connect women with uh, services that are life-affirming, right? So they do not get funneled into you know, places like Planned Parenthood. And even what sometimes what they'll do is they'll take place people who, who go to Planned Parenthood for services that may or may not be able to receive services. They'll take them out and they'll talk to them on the sidewalk and on the streets and say, hey, come to us instead. And they'll send us emails every once in a while. Praise God. This this couple came and they were walking, they were going to go into this clinic, right, to, to likely schedule an abortion. And we spoke with them and they came to our van and we did a sonogram and we helped them and we gave them resources and they decided to keep the unborn child. That's serving and loving our neighbor. These are people that we support, right? Service expressed in very real, tangible ways. Salvation, brothers and sisters, for us also is freedom from the demonic. Now, this is one we don't really want to talk about. Because we live in a culture that's so materialistic. We think that science can explain away everything. While at the same time, we see an explosion 
also what's happening, uh, seeing explosion in paganism and spirituality divorced from any one tradition. Like there's people out there who are actually trying to revive the worship of like Odin. And they're like, Odin? Really? There's a reason why all the pagans converted to Christianity. Because Christ has defeated all the gods. We live in this, in this era where somehow we think that science is going to be able to explain everything. And then we get stymied when science can't explain everything. We live in a time where we have this pastiche of do-it-yourself spiritual but not religious practices. Well, I like Jesus. I like some of the things he said, but I'm also really into transcendental meditation. I'm just going to mash those things together, even though they're two completely different spiritual traditions. Just put those together. That's okay. No. <laughs> no, brothers and sisters. That's actually demonic. The revival of paganism, right? And, and generic spirituality. This is actually demonic. And the thing about salvation is salvation is when, when we see this picture of salvation right in the scriptures, it's not just healing of our bodies, showing us what awaits us in the age to come, right? It also shows us how Jesus has saved us from the power of evil. He saves us from the agents of the power of evil. So when I say the power of evil, I'm not just speaking about evil as a, as a social construct, right? Or, or evil as some sort of injustice or oppression, but the very real agents of evil who propel those things. Who, who behind the scenes, <laughs> I'm not talking about a man in a dark room going, Whoa, ha, 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 like with his fingers going like this, like, I don't know, like a... Like a Evil Mr. Well, Mr. Burns is evil, right? But an evil spirit, Mr. Burns, sort of like doing this. But there are real evil spirits. There are demonic spirits in the world and Jesus saves us from them. He saves us from their power over us. And if he saves, them from, saves us from their power over us, then that means we can stop doing and supporting the works of evil. And this is one of the biggest things that we see in the scriptures, right? Particularly in St. Paul's letters. He's like, listen, you guys. And he face palms like this a lot, right? And he's like, Jesus saved you from all of these evil spiritual forces, right? All these, these, these evil spirits you were worshiping, right? He says, the gods of the nations are demons. And he's brought you into the body of Christ, the true God, the true and living God, the one God. Don't go back and do and live like you were when you were still worshiping and serving these other false gods. Because Christ has conquered them and has rescued them from, rescued you from that world. So stop going back. And that's part of the Christian life, right? Brothers and sisters, is stop going back to where God has delivered us from, right? God saves us from Egypt, but then we remember, oh, they had meat and fruit and really good vegetables when we were in Egypt, so let's go back to Egypt. And God's like, I can't take this. Well, God doesn't say I can't take this, right? That's just me being silly. We are saved from serving evil so we can serve what is truly good. So we can serve what is truly good. And it's not limited, right? Jesus then, he, it says in verse 38, he said to them, his disciples, let us go to the next town. Why? So that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is why I came out, to get to the next town. To do what I did in this town, so I can then go to the next town. So I can do what I did in the two towns before, so then I can go to the next town. And keep this going. 
This is why I came. And brothers and sisters, his work does not stop. It continues in us and through us as we continue to serve him, as we continue to talk about, as we continue to proclaim the healing power that Jesus brings. We sang this morning a hymn, right, that begins with this. It says, we come to know your healing Lord. And this hymn helpfully highlights ways for us that, that can help bring healing to us, right? It talks about uh, doctors and nurses and friends and family being strengthened by God. And those things are very, very good and true. But one of the things that the hymn neglects is one of the main ways that we are continually healed by Christ as we journey through the Christian life, right? And that's at the altar and at the table of the Lord, Holy Communion, right? When we come to receive the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ. In a few minutes, we're going to pray this. We're going to say, we humbly pray that all who partake of this Holy Communion be filled with your grace and heavenly benediction and be made one body with you, that you may dwell in us and we in you. That God has given this to us for our healing. And it's not given to us so we can just stay here and experience that healing for ourselves. But the healing that Christ is doing in us, we then take that to our homes. And then we take that healing that God does in us and that God does in our homes. We then take that healing to the next town and the next town and the next town. For this is why I came out. This is why we come out. This is why we go out. So that the healing that we have received and will continue to receive will empower us. That healing that we receive, we can live in it and extend that healing to others so we can bring as many people into Christ's saving embrace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Reverend Mike Lanthman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation, if you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.